Let's turn back to um, where Ruth was um, yesterday evening in John 10 and verse 10. John 10, verse 10, a very, very well-known verse. Probably all of you could quote it. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. These are the words of Jesus. This is his purpose. This is why he came. He came not to birth us into some kind of apology for Christian living. He came not to birth us into believism and trying and being spiritual. He came to birth us into life. And I want to get really personal this evening. You know, people always get a bit uncomfortable when they think it's getting personal. I was um, with the children uh, a couple of days ago in the school, and we were talking about the love of God. And I said to them, well, who does God love? Well, God loves the world, and God loves people, and God loves everyone. And I said, but who else does God love? And, you know, it's really difficult to get them come to come down to the position where they say, God loves me. God loves me. His purpose includes me. He sent his son for me. And the life that, we, that he came to give is for me. And I want you to misquote this verse now. I want you to apply it to yourself. It says, I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. He came. Come on, you say it too. You're going to say it with me. I'm going to make you be personal. He came that I might have life. And that I might have it more abundantly. He came that I might have life. That I might have life. And that I might have it more abundantly. That was his purpose. And you know, when God sets himself a purpose, he fulfills it. When God's made his plan of salvation, he took care of every single eventuality. He took care of everything that could possibly go wrong. And he provided the answer in himself. He came to give me life. He came to give me abundant life. You know, Ruth spoke last night about hearing the voice. That's been something that's um, been very dear to me for a very long time. Hearing that voice. When people speak, when people come to this pulpit, particularly when visitors come to this pulpit, I listen for the voice. I listen to hear what God is saying. I want to hear his voice. And I want to, you know, we come for different reasons. I don't know any of you who are visitors. I don't know why you're here. I don't know what need has brought you, what curiosity has brought you. I don't know whether it was because of the television program 
whether it's because you've read one of the bishop's books, or whether there's a need in your life. And you've thought, perhaps, just perhaps, this Easter weekend, God will meet my need. God will touch me. I'll hear his voice in a way, and something's going to change in my life. I'm going to have my Easter. I'm going to have something that happens in me that transforms me from death and into life. I'm going to know that my sin was pinned on that cross with him. That he died to it. That he rose in abundant life. And that life is mine because I'm his. And because this weekend I can hear his voice. There are many voices in the Christian world. There are many interpretations. There are many ideas and concepts. There are a lot of sincere people who give a lot of time, who lay down their lives. But the question is, and the question that I want to ask really every single one of you here tonight, whether you're a visitor, whether you've been in this church for 30 years or 20 years or five minutes, have you got the life? Have you got his life coursing through your veins? Do you know the time when he birthed you into his kingdom and he put his life inside you? So that it's no longer you who believe, it's he who believes. It's no longer your righteousness and your trying and your effort because you see for yourself that he's done it all. And I want to take you back a little way through, I suppose, what has been my journey. I suppose I come from a background that many of you could identify with. A background where I was brought up to go to church. I was brought up with, a, with believing parents who tried in every way that they possibly could to make sure that I knew the gospel. And I think the first time I was really aware of the voice of God and my own great need when I, was when I was five years old. And my father took me to... Um, a crusade in, at Belfast in a football ground where Billy Graham was speaking. And he laid out in his way the need of a sinner, and I knew I was one. And I can remember sitting as a little child in that meeting with the tears just coursing down my face because I knew I needed a saviour. I knew that my life was wrong inside, and, and I needed him. And I hadn't got the guts to join those thousands of people that were streaming down the terraces to the place where he was. But from that moment, at five years old, I knew I was a sinner. And I suppose life went on, and I did the things that everybody else did. I went to Sunday school. I went to church regularly. Um, there was no way we weren't going to church regularly. And um, approximately four years later, uh, uh, there was a visiting Bible teacher, I suppose you would call him, who came to the church. And once again, I was convicted of my sin. And this time, in my own way, I did what I was instructed to do, which was to give my heart to the Lord Jesus. How many of us have heard those phrases? 
that little phrase, give your heart to the Lord Jesus. Well, that was all very well, but looking back now, I can see he didn't take it. (laughs) I gave it, he didn't take it. But I entered into a position where I thought I was a Christian. And as I grew up, I couldn't understand why things didn't work. I couldn't understand why it was a struggle. And I tried getting converted a few more times just to be sure to be sure. As they say. I tried that. And that didn't seem to work either. And this heart that I kept, kept trying to give away didn't seem to be being taken. And yet in sincerity, I knew I was a sinner. I knew he was the saviour. And I knew that some transaction had to happen between us. And you, you, get to a, you get to a position where you're believing and you're trying. But the reality of it didn't come. And as a, in my teenage years, I can remember thinking to myself, particularly when I read some of the things in the Old Testament, I thought God was exciting in those days. The God I know is awfully boring. The God, you know, my revelation of God is very bland and anemic. The God that's in this book is different from the God who's supposed to be in me. Has anybody else ever been there? And as life went on, I did, as I said, I did all the things I was supposed to. I was involved in the children's work and the church where I was going. Um, I was involved in the Christian Union in my school. Eventually, I was involved in a position of leadership in the Christian Union in my university. I did all the right things. I had all the right terminology. I knew all the right answers. And yet, there was no life. No life whatsoever. Then I, when we got married, we came to live in Harlow. Now that was a shock to anybody's system. Especially when you've been brought up in the sort of leafy suburbs of Northern Ireland. And you found yourself in a new town. But... (sighs) I suppose, in a sense, a degree of arrogance had set in by then. Here we were. Good degrees, professional qualifications, ready for life. Harlow was very lucky to have us, as was God. (laughs) And so we spent some time in a very spiritual kind of way, trying to find ourselves... A church. And we landed upon a church which um, was just in very, very early days. In fact, it was in such early days, there was only two people in the congregation, the pastor and his wife. So when Peter and I came, we, 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 we doubled. I mean, we, we, we got the congregation up by 100%. The only problem was that with all our good intentions and all our qualifications and all our knowledge and all our theology and all our, you know, the fact that we were God's gift, nothing happened. And two years went by and it was still us four and no more. We had an occasional visitor and they sort of drifted in and drifted out and we were left. And I think it began to get through to our thick skulls 
that in actual fact something was wrong. And we thought, well, having been brought up in the brethren, you know, the Holy Spirit was something that, you know, was a little bit weird and way off. And uh, certainly he was useful in in the early days, the launch of the church, but after that he went back to heaven as far as we were concerned in our experience. But we decided that possibly we needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we started going around different ministries and getting people to pray for us. And so many people tried to get me to speak in tongues and nothing would come out. I just thought, well, this is a load of rubbish. And though however many people prayed for us to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, nothing happened. You remember those days? We tried other things. We tried praying every day. We had prayer meetings every day. And you know, when there's only four of you praying and trying to be spiritual and trying to tell God what he ought to do, it gets, that, even that gets boring after a while. It doesn't take very long. Because we hadn't really got an awful lot to say apart from we're frustrated and why don't you do something about it? Then we tried fasting. Now, Monday was my day. I dreaded Mondays. I absolutely dreaded Mondays. I was hungry all day. But I felt I had to stick it out because there being four in the congregation as it was, the three of us who were the congregation did one day, and Jamie, who was the pastor, he had to do two. So I thought at least... (laughs) At least I can try to hold up my end on a Monday. So I went to bed very early. I went to bed very early and I thought about what I was going to have for breakfast. And that's how it was. I I thought I believed all the right things. I thought I'd done all the right things. I thought I was saved. And nothing worked. Nothing worked. And in this Bible it says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. But you know, it's the gospel that sets us free. It's the gospel that opens blinded eyes. The eyes of our understanding are are blinded until we hear the, the voice of God in the gospel. And I can remember when we, I'll not tell you all the ins and outs of how we ended up coming to this church, but we did. We came for the wrong reason. We came to hear someone else. And it happened to be the bishop was preaching. And I want to take you to the passage of scripture that God used to take me from all that death into all his life. I want to take you to um, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36 and verse 24. 
And this is God's promise of the new covenant. For I will take you from among the, among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. It wasn't anything very complicated. I heard the voice. And all those years, 20, I can't remember how many years it would have been at that stage, 25 years, I suppose it was, of having been in church, of having heard preachers, of having done the right things, of having tried to give my heart to the Lord Jesus. All those years of frustration and emptiness and feeling that I was never quite good enough, that I wasn't what I should be, that when people came with real questions, I hadn't got any real answers. All those years just fell away in a minute. And somehow those words penetrated my heart and my life. And I knew it was for me. I knew it was for me in that moment. And in that moment, God birthed me into the kingdom of life. And you know, once you've been birthed into the kingdom of life, there's no way back. Once you've crossed that Rubicon, there is no way that you could go back. And I think about it, Many times I've thought about it, and I thought, God, why me? And the answer is, I am come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. That was the purpose that he came for. He came to impart his life. He came to give us his life, the same life that raised him from the dead. Because, you know, when Adam sinned, God knew he had to start all over again. But this time he made it differently. Because salvation is not just about forgiveness, although it is about forgiveness. Salvation is not not just about knowing that you're going to be with him one day, though it is about that. Salvation is about his life, his life inside you, changing you, transforming you, setting you free, setting you apart, making you different. I am come that they might have life. I didn't do anything for it. I did all the wrong things. I didn't do anything to deserve it. Self-important, arrogant, thinking I was God's gift. Why would God meet a person like that? Why would he do it? I wouldn't. Would you? You'd choose the nice people, wouldn't you? 
But he said, I am come that you might have life. Now, I want you to go through. I want you to go through this passage in Ezekiel. And I wanted you just, just to see in this the balance between what God does and what we do. First thing he says is, I will take you from among the heathen. God's choice, God's purpose, God's plan. I will take you. I've chosen you out and I'm going to take you from where you are. And then it's implied and gather you out of all countries. And I will bring you into your own land. That's three things that he's done so far. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. Four things. From all your filthiness, from all your idols, will I cleanse you. Five things. A new heart also will I give you. Six. A new spirit will I put within you. Seven. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. Eight. I will give you a heart of flesh. Nine. I will put my spirit within you. Ten. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Eleven. Where is me in this? Who is the worker in this? Who is the one who does it? Who is the one who takes us every step of the way? Who is the one who saw a little girl of five crying her heart out because she knew she needed a savior? And who said, in my purposes in eternity, I've got the answer, I've got the plan. And I'm going to bring you in in the fullness of time. He did it. He did it every single step of the way. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can give. I tried giving up my food. I told her perhaps it would twist God's arm just a little bit. And he says, I don't want you to starve yourself. I don't want you to be miserable on Mondays. I want, you to, I want to come with a gift of life. It's a gift that I've paid for. It's a gift that I've provided. And it's a gift that I give to you. Everything that I need. Paul says that he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. It's all there. And it's not some kind of process where I start here and I climb the Via Dolorosa or whatever it is you climb. And I struggle and I try and I make myself as spiritual as I possibly can make myself. It's not like that. It's a gift. And when he comes in his life, when he comes in his transforming power, when he comes and he meets you, he commits himself to be within you forever. Not something you can lose. Not something that you comes in degrees. I get a little bit now, and if I'm very good, I might get a bit more next year. It's not like Christmas, where we say to the children, if you're good, you'll get a nice present. He comes to us 
when we're dead in trespasses and sins. And he says, I have the answer. I am the answer. I will be your answer. I will change everything. Because I'm going to put my heart and my spirit within you. I'm going to make you different. You're going to be a different person from the person you were born. But you're going to be the person that I always intended you to be. With my power, with my life, with my righteousness. So many people in the Christian world live in some form of bondage. You don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to live in bondage to what you have to do, how you have to try, what you have to give up. Because everything that you need is in him. His purpose is to give you life. His purpose is to take you out of the kingdom of darkness. That's over. And plant you in the kingdom of his dear son. And that is your destiny. That is where you belong from then on in. You can look over your shoulder. You can look back there, but it's not where you belong. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And it's all in him. Gospel is good news. Easter is a time when we remember We remember what Jesus did. You know, they say mercy is where God doesn't give us what we deserve. Grace is when he endows us so richly with something that we can never, ever, ever deserve. And it's for each and every one of you. I don't know how you came to be here, but I know God doesn't do things by chance. The fact that you're here means God is moving in your life. God is moving in your life and in your heart. And I don't know if anything that I've said tonight makes sense to you. But I can tell you I've known both ways. I've lived in both ways. And I know which one I prefer. And I'm not saying that the people, you know, who educated me in my early days weren't sincere because they were very sincere. Extremely sincere. But you can't give what you haven't got. Peter and John, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He had the life to impart because the life had been given to him. The life was inside him. The life of Christ, Christ in you. He lives in you. And every need that you have The answer is Christ in you. Every need in your life, I don't care what it is. I don't know today whether it's, you just, you want to know that you belong to him. I don't know whether it's a need that you have in your family. I don't know whether it's a physical need, a financial need, 
But I know one who came to give us life. I know one who came to make us different. To take us out of the time of struggle and drudgery and trying. And to bring us into the fullness of his life and his liberty. Let's just turn to um, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. Nothing has been left out. Nothing has been forgotten about. Nothing has been excluded. Ye are complete in him. Now get personal again. I am complete in him. I am complete in him. I am complete in him. He came to give me life and life more abundantly. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and ye are complete in him. All the fullness of God is in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus is in me. All the fullness of God is in me because it's his gift to me. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift. That even the faith to believe, even the faith to believe is a gift from him. The faith to lay hold, the faith to hear, The faith to recognize the voice. The faith to know that the truth is for you. It comes from him. And it's his gift. I am come that they might have life. Have you got it? Have you got that life? Do you know it? Do you know inside that he's there? He never leaves. He never forsakes. He never goes away. He doesn't say to you, no, well, I'm sorry, that part of the gift isn't for you. Well, somebody else can have that. With him, we have all that we need within us. Because he came to give us life.